Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, another uh, edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. I'm your host, Tom Merch Jr., uh, this week joined by Adam Herman and also hockey's hottest insider, uh, Shayna Goldman. Um, what we're talking about, Brady Shea has been traded. Uh, we will get to some other things, the Chris Kreider extension, uh, Igor Shosturkin and, and Pavel Buchnevich being in an accident, but we'll start with... Uh, Brady Shea, and uh, the floor is yours, uh, Miss Shayna. Hi. Um, so, Shea was traded. We know that. And uh, I'm surprised it's him and not like Fost or someone else. I think that's my uh, my biggest surprise here. I really thought for sure like a contender would have traded for him when you see a player like Barkley Goudreau getting a first-round pick. But, um, yeah, I... I feel like their left side of the defense is, is going to be uh, not good this year. It's already not great. So um, I wonder if uh, Ryan Lehman gets more minutes now. But on the whole, like I think Brady Shea had a really good rookie season. And everyone had super high expectations for him. And it obviously didn't pan out. And he got the contract that at the time, I think a lot of us looked at it and went, this is the right move. You know, they're paying him at the right time versus what they did with the rest of their defense, which is part of the reason why they're in the situation that they're in cap wise. So, you know, they took a risk and obviously it didn't exactly pay off the way that they could have hoped. But when you sign a player younger and give them that contract, it's easier to move it than signing them at 28 and realizing that you're totally fucked, you know, two years into it. And now they're in your thirties and you have a sunk cost. So, you know, they tried to make the best of it. And I, kind of think he'll do well in Carolina. I feel like with their system and everything that they have going on there, like I would not be surprised to see him do well and be the player we expected him to be. But maybe it's just because we're biased and that happens so often when a defenseman leaves the Rangers, they do better elsewhere. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, that's more or less how I, I feel about it. I, I think there are, you kind of have to compartmentalize. Like, there's kind of just two sides of the trade. Like, there's the first, like, the value itself, which, like, I can't see a lot of ways that the Rangers just outright look horrible um, in, you know, in the aftermath of this deal. Like, even if Shea does refine his form, uh, you know, getting a first-round pick for, you know, a really good young defenseman, like, that, not the best thing, maybe, but that's not, like, you got smokes, right? Like, you're, you're still doing okay if you get a, a late first-round pick for that kind of player. Um, but if he doesn't refine his form, you know, then they, the Rangers got out of that, you know, at the right time. They, they, you know, they got tremendous value for him at that point for a player that's then Carolina's problem. So I, I think in terms of the, the trade itself, I think the Rangers did well to kind of just go to a situation where <clears throat> the risk for them is, is moderate at best. And, um, you know, the reward could be first-round pick for a player that, you know, has his best hockey behind him. Um, the other side of it, though, is that, um, like you, like Shana said, the, the left side of this defense is was a problem to put it mildly before, and you know, uh, as, as many problems as Shea has had, he's still a better defender than you know a lot of other you know some other players out there. Certainly uh, on the Rangers roster in the organization, so. Um, there's a lot of work to be done to make the left side of the defense better going forward. Um, and it, it was made harder today. So 
good value on the trade, but now they got to figure out how they, uh, you know, not replace isn't even the right word, but how they now kind of build a, a left side of the defense that's competent. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting situation, and I look at the trade as them finding a situation to offset some money, um, them getting a first-round pick. Which pick it is is to be determined, um, but in this upcoming draft, it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities because the Rangers, they have their first, they have the first pick, whether it's Toronto's or uh, Carolina's, and who knows what happens once the the offseason starts and how the playoffs shake out. There's some players and assets the Rangers held on to. There's always the chance they make moves at the draft. And to your point, now that you've moved Shea off of this team, it's going to be um, a bit of a weaker defense. And who's to say, even though this team has been playing very well as of late, that they don't take some steps backwards and they themselves fall into a position where, very much like last year, where they weren't the worst team in the league, um, the lottery balls came up in their, their favor. So it's certainly um, an interesting move and it happening so close to the deadline like they put out an alert saying oh we're going to be having a press conference at three o'clock and then but wait there's more and uh we only didn't hear from them you know until you know just about a half hour ago um i i think with all of that said one of the reasons and they may not you know say that this was the main motivator um but it, it certainly feels that the announcement that Chris Kreider has been re-signed seven years, six and a half uh, per, did have something to do with this, that they're forecasting that, you know, we're going to have to free up some money, and this was a, a way for them to uh, to do that. I mean, are you surprised that this is the deal that ended up getting put together? Um, a little bit. I mean, it's it seemed like Carolina would be a fit because they were looking for a defenseman. You know, we definitely knew that with the Pesci injury on top of the Hamilton injury that they were going to trade for a defender. And once Eric Gustafson came off the board, and not to say that he'd be a favorable choice, but he was cheaper and, you know, it's a rental. So maybe they don't need that long-term commitment from a defenseman because they have players signed and they have prospects and whatever. It's more focusing on the right now. Um but when he came off the market and uh, it, it made sense, you kind of figured it would be Shea or D'Angelo. But D'Angelo seemed like an option to move this offseason, being a restricted free agent then. And, you know, the same could be said for Shea. But it seemed like something else had to happen along with the Kreider signing. It seemed like the Rangers couldn't walk out of this deadline without doing anything else, in my opinion. And, you know, uh, Strom didn't seem like a likely option to move. Uh, it seems like the team wants to hang on to him and maybe they'll reassess at the end of the year but it seems like they're for the right for the time being they're committed to him um D'Angelo I didn't you know unless an offer blew them away I wasn't sure something was going to change with that it was really just Faust or Shea and uh once we heard about you know the goaltending situation it makes sense for them to wait because you can get a better return for a goaltender in the offseason anyway but um I, I just I was a little bit surprised that Shea was the only other move to be made, but the fact that he was moved isn't entirely shocking to me. But I, I do wonder if maybe they hope they could have moved a different defenseman first, like trying to get rid of, you know, Brennan Smith, 
or if they figured like that just wasn't going to happen and this was the easiest way to wash their hands of it and walk away with an asset. Yeah, I, I don't think they woke up today saying like, let's trade, you know, like, let's go trade Brady Shea. I think it's just kind of how everything shook out um, because, you know, it could have been posturing on, on the, you know, the organization's point, but it sure seemed like Kreider was on his way out the door and then suddenly, you know, something pretty big happened to change uh, course. Um, you know, you look at the market, everyone, you know, there's always a need for defensemen, but that's, that was true this year more than any, just because the, the market for defense, like there were no defensemen available and the few, few decent ones, you know, on the market were traded a few days ago. Um, so I think that's another situation where you look at kind of the Rangers cash in at the right time. Like Carolina needed to add defensemen you know, the options weren't really there. So, you know, a guy like Brady Shea, even though he has risks, um, is a great option for them. Um, and while, I, again, like, I don't think the Rangers woke up today with the goal of trading Shea, I think they certainly knew, um, especially if Kreider did get re-signed, that he was one of, you know, a guy, you know, probably had three names on the list, three or four names, you know, him, D'Angelo, Strom, Maybe Bushnevich, uh, you know, that could be on the move. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call it, you know, inevitable that Shea was traded, but I don't, I don't think it should be particularly surprising, um, given given the need to open up some space and kind of just how he's plateaued a bit in the last couple of years with the Rangers. So with this Kreider deal, do you think it's something to the effect of I mean I think his he the what we had heard is he had wanted a seventh year and that at first the Rangers really weren't willing to to give him you know some term do you think it's possible that as the Rangers were testing the market the return that they had in mind just wasn't there for Kreider because it seems to me that he comes down in in you know the annual average value only six point five million, which isn't a huge bump from what he was making from what we've seen, um, you know, in recent years of players that eventually hit the market or resign with their team. But it just seems how everything came together. You look around the league, the teams that were interested in him. Um, they they did out of their business, whether it's the Capitals going after Kovalchuk, the Avalanche getting Nemestikov, while theoretically they still could have added someone like Kreider, do you think it's the deals weren't there or it was they deep down just said, you know what, we want to have this guy around um, and it, it's something that we're not going to worry about years five, six, and seven. We'll just worry about one through four. Um, I would, I would guess that maybe both are true. Uh, obviously there's something to him being the top available option on the market. And that put the Rangers in a position of strength right there because they didn't have to trade him. They didn't have to keep him. You know, they really could have gone either way. So it was all about matching what they wanted, but other teams, you know, slowly trickling in, were realizing that they could go for other targets that were, that came at a lower cost, or maybe they found it would be more cost-effective. You look at Blake Coleman, they, it seemed like Tampa could have been a team that was interested in him. They found another option. The Capitals, they found another option. So the more other teams found other options, it obviously heightened the chance of another team acquiring Kreider, but it, it, and it would have lowered the price for the Rangers, you'd think, because while there were still multiple teams interested, it, it was going down how many teams really were, and other teams are recognizing 
you can go for someone, you know, less expensive. So why not go for that? Why not go for multiple pieces instead of throwing all of your assets in one basket and it not work and you not afford to sign them afterwards? So it, it definitely is like an interesting position because it's not that either team necessarily played it completely wrong because you can look at it and say the Rangers knew what they had and weren't just going to sell because they were selling because he can still be a good asset to their team. And because of that, I felt like, you know, it's not the biggest of deals that up. Oh, they didn't get this huge return for him. You know, if it was a year earlier in the rebuild, we'd probably be saying something a lot differently. Two years ago, we sure as hell would have been. Uh, you know, we can look back at the Ryan McDonough trade and go, that's the best that you could have gotten for him. They were in a different position than they are now. Signing him wouldn't have made sense. Like signing Kreider can make sense now. So it definitely helps in that way. And I think the other part of it is too, is there was so much going back and forth you know, they're going to trade him. You know what? It sounds like they're coming to an extension. And it, it, a lot of it felt like it was going back and forth to make sure that everyone got what they wanted, whether it was, you know, um, the Rangers making it seem like they're going to trade him. And then that would put pressure on him to buck at their cost or vice versa. So um, I, I think that it kind of ended with maybe a settlement on the money because 6.5 probably wasn't what he was originally aiming for. And you know, I, I understand it. I think we can look at it and go, is he worth that money? Like, okay, maybe he is right now. It's not a huge step forward from what he was making, though, in some ways, you know, on average. And he was on a team-friendly contract before, so maybe he was pushing for more. But he got the seventh year, and, you know, if he has some protection because you have the expansion draft to consider, and you don't want to be a player that's traded early in your contract like Brady Shea was today, and you don't want it that you're traded later in your contract because they're in a position like you know, they did with Zuccarello or McDonough. So, you know, it can definitely make sense from both sides of it. But I don't think it's necessarily one answer was right or one was wrong. And it was just like one clear way to go for the team, which is different from years past. Yeah, it's certainly um, an interesting situation. I think I was kind of expecting this was to go a different way. It just felt that if they had wanted to keep Kreider, they would have done a. Um, they would have come to an agreement sooner, which would have given them time to focus on more business. I mean, even it was last night. You figure going back and forth, it was like, oh, it looks like they've reached, you know, an impasse, and then it's, oh, you know, it would kind of make sense for them both to get a deal done. Um, so yeah, it's. It'll be interesting to see, like I can think of past deadlines as time's gone on. It's like, well, this is what they were juggling in the air, but it didn't come to um, fruition. Do you have any thoughts on, on how it went down, Adam? How this sort of works for them going forward and what type of uh, production we can expect? Yeah, it's it's a tough one to kind of, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around the, the term and, and the money. Um, yeah, and look, everyone talks about how, you know, what great shape he's in, and that's certainly true, but um, he plays the type of game, the other side of it is, you know, he plays a type of game that's going to take a toll on his body. He, um, you know, he's not a stationary player. He's game involves a lot of physical movement involves a lot of uh getting eating a lot of pucks in, in the high in the slot and, and slashes and, and hit getting hit and, and everything else um 
So yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes long, long term with with Kreider. Um, I do think he's the kind of player you can expect that even when he's not at his best, maybe in four years, five years, he's still a contributing player, as opposed to kind of just a dead cap hit the way Milan Lucic is or David Backes is. So, um, I, I even even. Um, even aside from where uh, where the Raiders are in their build and, and such, I think he he's kind of the first one of the free of the unrestricted free agents that made made the Rangers and made a lot of people pause. Um, and it's just because his the the type of game he can play is so hard to find, um, which is not to say you know Ke- Kevin Hayes is easy to find or you know um, anything like that, but just. Um, you know, a, a true power forward who can who can skate like that and who who does the thing the, the net front um, things that Kreider does. It's just it's so hard to replace. It's such a special type of abil- of ability that he has. Um, so I don't really know if I'm on board with the deal yet, but I I get it. You know, I I certainly understand why the Rangers felt compelled to uh, to make it happen. Um, especially when it would have been very easy. They had, I'm sure, plenty of outs to just say, like, look, like we got this great trade offer, whatever it is. They could have certainly um, saved face that way if they, if they wanted to. So I, I get it. I understand why they kind of stuck to their guns here and, and why, they, um, why they felt it was just so important to, to, for the first time really, since they sent out that letter, to, to keep a guy. Um, whose expiration date is, you know, not anytime soon, maybe, but you know, is is within sight. The way it isn't for you know twenty one year olds and, and, and such. So so it, it we'll we'll see how it plays out, of course. And uh, but I, I understand why they felt they need to do it. So while we still have um, Shana here, because I know she she has to run. Um, and we'll, there are some other topics that me and Adam will, will get into um, a little deeper, um, you know, as the show goes on. So, Shayna, just your thoughts, given everything that's happened, the Kreider extension, the, um, the Shea trade, uh, the injuries to Igor Shashurkin, uh in, in the, the car accident and Buchnevich being day-to-day, um, just sort of with everything that's gone on. How do you see this team playing down the stretch? Do you think we're going to be at the level that we've seen the last few weeks? Is there going to be a bit of a regression now that it's going to be Gorgiev and Hank in the mix? Um, just how you see this team reacting going forward? Um, all right, I'll start with uh, goaltending. I am not. Con- I'm not concerned about goaltending goaltending at all, and like. It's not to take anything away from Igor Shesterkin because he's been fantastic, and that's totally true. But the other two goaltenders have played behind this team while the team was playing a lot worse. You can see how much better they are offensively as the years trended on, how they've uh, worked to get better defensively as well. And obviously, Lundqvist, when he was primarily starting, and that was to start the year, he was playing behind a much shittier team, and he was still doing well enough. But of course, if you look at the most traditional stats, it's not going to tell you that. But, you know, the fact of the matter was he wasn't bad. And I think uh, Georgia will be fine. So hopefully they rotate them enough because it shouldn't just be, you know, riding the hot hand the entire time. I'm sure they're going to do that a bit, but, you know, a rotation would definitely be good. Um, 
Goaltending doesn't concern me. Defense does a little bit because uh, Brady Shea was obviously had his struggles defensively, but he, he's a really good uh, skater and he was good offensively. I think he was on pace for like 30 points, which is like his best since his rookie year. But more than that, it's below the surface. If you look, the team was better offensively at five on five with him on the ice. So, you know, it, it definitely helped to have that from the back end. And I wonder if maybe they cut back Trouba's minutes a little bit and then they lean more towards Lindgren and Fox, which is a good thing. But, um, you know, I'm curious to see how Smith does on defense for an extended period of time. And if he does well, maybe if that makes him movable. Uh, if not, I'm curious if we see a call up. And, you know, right now, I, I know I would say give Rykov a shot and see what he can do. And maybe it's not necessarily throwing him onto the first pair. You you know, you ease him into it. But I, I do wonder if they rather that or if they decide to go at Liber Hayek because he has the NHL experience. And I, I'm not super confident in that. Um I think that they've been playing solid hockey and they've been a lot more determined. And I think this was a good way for management to kind of like show some belief in them. They could have broken apart the team and gone, well, we don't give a shit that you've been playing better hockey. We're just following our path, which wouldn't have been the wrong move for the organization, but obviously can be disheartening for the players. That didn't happen. They they made it that Kreider, you know, Kreider's staying. Here's the cap space to keep this team together because they have pending free agents and maybe make a couple moves like the Adam Fox deal where they take future assets for a right now player that's going to help them now and in the future. And I wonder if that instills some confidence into them or maybe it's not like they have as much to fight for because they were kept together. It's okay. And no matter what they do moving forward, it's okay because they're rebuilding team. Um, I think obviously everyone would hope that this is what helps push them forward, that they can keep up a level of consistency. And I think if they do, that's a good, it's a good and important test, regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs. If they can just keep progressing and keep playing, if not, you know, progressing this level of hockey, that that's a good thing. Everything you want to see is about not getting worse, not regressing. So if they can manage that, regardless of what happens, I think that's a pretty good thing. And, you know, as long as the younger players continue to develop, you, you can't really complain about what happens this season, whether or not they make the playoffs. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think John Davidson actually said it very nicely in, in the post-deadline uh, press conference where he was like, look, like we want to make it and if we make it good and if we don't, like we're, we're keeping on with our, with our plan, which is, you know, which is kind of where the Rangers are right now. They're, they're pretty much playing with uh, you know, borrowed money almost um, because no one expected them to be in the race by now, um, or at least no one should have. Uh, obviously, they've gotten ridiculously hot at the right time to put them plausibly within reach. Um, so yeah, I think even you know even if they miss it, you know, and I'm sure they will. But it, it, just being in the mix right now is just so good for everyone involved because you you don't want it to be one of those situations where it's like Buffalo where you know like you're on year six of just not even really being you know a realistic playoff team and, and it just it it hurts morale in the locker room it hurts just everyone's morale and people stop trusting in in what you know a plan might be and, and it people get shuffled in and out of the organization so um i think the rangers have shown tangible progress and i think you know it'd be nice to be if you know the players and the fans got rewarded with a um a playoff appearance but I don't think realistically speaking I don't think anyone is under any illusions that you know a first round matchup against Tampa Bay or Boston um, 
you know, that that's the path to, you know, some sort of serious success for the Rangers this, this spring, you know, so it would kind of just be a nice little benchmark, um, you know, for measuring how far they've progressed in the last year or so. Um, but I mean, they do certainly have pieces like, and, you know, especially since they've kept Kreider now, um, the top six in goaltending and and uh, the power play, like, can that carry them into a playoff spot? I, Carolina's banged up. Toronto's kind of mentally in a dark place right now. Uh, you know, who the hell knows what's going on with Florida. Um, so it, it's certainly possible that they could make it, but, I, again, like, I don't think the Rangers are sitting there, you know, like, we need to make the playoffs right now. Like, this, you know, this is an important goal for us or anything. They're just kind of... Uh, you know, they're going to play out these remaining games as they see fit, and then, you know, the playoffs happen, then then awesome. It's interesting just to note that of the um, the moves that they could have made in terms of players being eligible for the AHL playoffs, they sent down both Brett Howden and Julian Gauthier and recalled them, so they only have... Two recalls, if if I'm correct, unless there's some sort of emergency uh, situation in terms of injury. So it'll be interesting because you assume that one of those could be Hayek, and then it leaves you in a position where it's, is it one of Rikov and potentially Kraftsoff? Is there anyone else that they really would call up just for you know, giving them a few games because I would think both of those players you'd want in Hartford for the playoffs anyway. Yeah, that's, um, they, they do have two call-ups left. They're only allowed to call up two more players like Tom said, unless there's, you know, certain extraneous circumstances. But, uh, I think that's a safe guess for kind of the two they kind of, uh, dog-eared, right? Like kayak, in case they need, they want the support on defense, or if there's an, an injury, and then, you know, maybe Kravtsov to reward him. Kravtsov's playing very well right now, and I'm expecting to have an article finished on him for the next couple days or so to publish. Um, but I, I kind of think that's where they would go with that. You know, that being said, injuries happen, things happen, so who knows exactly how it will play out versus what they you know expect um but i think those are the safe bets for for call-ups you know one because they just you know they want to get looks at guys at the nhl level um but two also for better or worse i think they kind of see those two guys as the better performing players in hartford right now um who can step in and help the team if uh you know there's an injury or whatever else so with that said, um, I think Shana has a question. I'll give the floor to Shana. Wow, thanks so much, Tom. You know, like with that being said, it's such a bachelor line. Wow, bachelor references, two podcasts in a row that I'm on. Did you start so watching true. the show yet? Wait, I'm Adam, you better. watch it, right? Oh, regrettably, but it's like, it's like oh, I hate, I mean, I hate everyone. Not even, what I mean, season they, did you start with? I, I think Colton. Oh, oh! You're like me. I mean, like I've I've seen like episodes before, and then I just like I like uh, there was one day I was just like, why do people watch this? And then like I don't really remember what happened, but like someone tweeted something that made me realize like, oh, like everyone watches this ironically. Like no one's actually like legitimately 
like feeling these romances and like into no, these people. No, well, there are no. people that do. No, I mean, yeah, all right. There, there are people that do. It's at least nice in my to bubble, see them yeah. end up. Like, it's nice when you see a couple. You're like, oh, that's nice. Like, you might like the bachelor. That you're like, oh, that's that's good for them. Good for them. All right, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Although but otherwise, yeah, but just, you should so go back. On, I want to say it's on Netflix. It might be on Hulu, but they have Jason Mesnick's season of The Bachelor, and that one was excellent. Seriously, that the mm-hmm. finale was great. Everything about it. That's one you should definitely watch. I I plan on doing that. Although, and oh, Tom, you should watch. Yes. <clears throat> Although I have watched Love Is Blind on Netflix, which is even like more morbid and and just I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just it, wow. I've never seen that. It it. I, I don't even know where to begin with it. Um, it just really, really like kind of escalates to that next level of just a like cynical plastic view of marriage. It's great. Mm. I think the only other one that I watched that was like, you know, like the relationship show was um, Married at First Sight. I watched like the first two seasons of it. Like it was on and I started uh, watching it. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. I watched the show and I was like, oh my God. And I was there was someone who was on The Bachelor like years ago that was on that show. Right. Which yeah. caught my attention, but that that was pretty terrible. <laughs> Gotta love quality TV like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, I'm related to The Bachelor. <laughs> Tom, you should start watching it. <clears throat> With that being said, my question for you guys is which team... Do you look at their deadline moves and go like it's the biggest head scratcher? Like you don't understand what they did. Ooh. Buffalo, mm-hmm. yeah. like Wayne Simmons. Okay, um, and conditions for making the playoffs. Yeah, and what's even more interesting is how Tom Fitzgerald was describing the trade, where it's like Wayne Simmons sort of wants to prove himself, and but like. I don't get that move. I mean, I can understand the the Shiri and Rodriguez swap. Like you're moving guys out um and you're, you know, getting someone back who maybe's a a, a fit going forward, but like what are you doing? Like are they just trying to like troll the fans at this point? Like, well, you say that we never do anything, so now we've gone out and done something and yeah, I, I didn't get that at all. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of confused about um, Anaheim. Like, they're I would, they're pretty rebuilding, right? Like, they're not quite like Detroit, but they're they're not. They're, I feel like they're retooling a little bit more. But yeah, like, like, and I don't really know like like what they they're doing. <laughs> like, they just kind of traded some young wingers and then you know got a few late draft picks. I do like the acquisition of Sonny Milano. That's nice. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just thought they could, they like, they need to really kind of just update the roster. Like, you know, they're still kind of caught in that Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff type era. And obviously Perry's gone. Getzlaff's not the player he was. They just kind of haven't transitioned. Like, you look at the range, like the Rangers went so quickly from one era to the next. And I don't even mean that they rush things. I think they're going at a great pace, but like they just, they, when it was over, it was over. And I think Anaheim's still kind of just like one foot in, one foot out. Which is How do you get people to with, take uh, their contracts though? That's, well, yeah, that's part of the problem, right? And they kind of have to just wait out some of those. Although adding David back is, doesn't exactly help things. Then also like Montreal, 
Like, I think if you just like, if you look at some of the deals, like individually, like they make sense and like, all right, they got some draft picks, but like, like, what are they doing? Well, like what type of team are they going to be, you know, next yep. year? Like, are they trying to be good? Are they trying to rebuild it? I don't really, you know. They, it's like, they're, they're the team that like literally needs an intervention of someone just like being like, listen, what you're doing yeah. is fine and dandy, but like you're rebuilding, admit it. Accept yeah, it. Yeah. Embrace they're, it. They're basically what the Rangers would have been if the Rangers did not like do like just like a hard reset. Like just kind of that like having yeah. some talent locked up and just kind of like, yeah, like maybe with some right moves you can be a wild card team and such, but like they're just I just don't see them going anywhere meaningful. I yep. thought on on TSN's coverage, uh, Michael Farber had a great analogy for what the Canadians are doing. He described it as that, you know, uh, Bergevin is sort of like he's doing a lot of Costco shopping. He's making a lot yeah. of small deals. And at some point, like if they miss this year, it's going to be, I think he said, four out of five years where they haven't made the playoffs. And at some point, you wonder what the tolerance level is going to be and if ownership sort of, you know, tries yeah. to step in. Cause you can look at what they, they tried. And I say try in, um, lightly with the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. But other than that, it's not like they've really been in the mix of anything yeah. of consequence. Yep. 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 Yeah. Like held on to Thomas Tatar is 29. Like, uh, uh, I don't. I, no, I'm surprised not, that no. there were no. I don't know if the Rangers held up the market at all with that, but like not for nothing, it, they made it clear by here it is 11:30. Carter's staying, so at that point, here's your wing. Here's your next yeah. best, you know, winger mm -hmm. option. Yeah. I don't get Florida either. Well, um, that's, yeah. They so Buffalo confuses the hell out of me because why are you trading for right now moves and you know with the there's a conditional pick and one of it has to do with them making the playoffs and maybe they think the Leafs are about to collapse and that they can gain six points on them and do the thing in 20 games and I, I don't fucking know but um Florida's out here like hey we are gonna trade forwards we need a defenseman so they traded forwards did not get defense back yeah I, they, they literally draft so well and then they just fuck everything up the second they get past the draft they just screw it all up Every year. Yeah, I, just, I don't know what they're doing either. It would be funny if, if Florida was thinking that way, that Toronto is sort of on the verge of collapse because, you know, it is a small sample size, but, uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky in goal has been much better than uh, David Ayers. So, like, yeah. from a save percentage right. standpoint. It's two points. Florida's back two points. If they really felt they needed a defenseman, you know, there were all these trades yeah. happening, jump in on something. And even if they figure, let's trade Trocheck for Howla and go for Walmart or do something, you know, like it's not like that's the most ass backwards thing in the world. You look at it and you're kind of like, I don't, I don't really get it. But if they made like a couple tweaks and went for it, I don't think anyone would judge them if the team two points behind Toronto said, you know what? Yeah. We can catch up and beat them. Look at what's happening to them. Cause it's not like Toronto did anything either to really push themselves in the direction that you go, oh, they'll be fine. Yeah, and that's kind of like why the Rangers are, I mean, obviously they've played themselves into the mix, but that's a little bit of why I believe it sort of maybe that they could actually pull this off because the teams like Florida who just kind of, you know, didn't, um, you know, 
kick the Rangers while they were down, so to speak. Like they're, they're leaving the Rangers in it, you know, uh, both in the standings and now in terms of just they didn't do anything at the deadline to, um, you know, give themselves some more punch. Um, so it could be to the Rangers' benefit. It's right in front of them. They have a game against the Islanders. They have two against the Flyers. So that's six points right there that you pick those up. It's not just six points for yourself, but it's points taken away from, from people in the race. Um, yeah. and, and I expect in Montreal too. I mean, although they're behind the Rangers, but still it's, it's of, um, of note. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting to see, and I know that the Rangers are, um, cause I was thinking about this a bit and I haven't really like done a apples to apples roster comparison because I've seen some people say, well, you know, all the Rangers really need to do is get in. Like what's stopping them from being like a team like the, the Kings that were the, you know, the conventional 16 seed, um, but they were able to win a Stanley Cup. But I, I think that's trying to be uh, a bit too optimistic of uh, what's going on. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's all of a sudden you look at it. It's like they just fall short of the, short of the playoffs and those seasons of bust. And I don't think it's even bad if they get into the playoffs and they get smoked in round one season could still be a success if you progress it. It's an experience, you know? Yeah. Like, obviously right now, I don't think anyone wants to hear the comparison to Toronto, but they had a deadline where they could have bought and they were like, no, we're going to stay the course. It's our rebuild. And um, they went to the playoffs. They, you know, went into the first round. They battled hard and they lost, but it was a stepping stone, yeah. obviously. The flip, flip side of that is the Devils a few years ago when they, they moved pieces for Grabner and... Um, I can't remember who else, but they just they made a bunch of moves for rentals and like great. They made it to the playoffs. They lost to Tampa and I think five games and then what? Like they've you know, they're down in the dumps ever since. So there's value of course in getting players playoff experience and such, but the, you know, there's a bigger picture here that like can it be accomplished without making it and then also making it doesn't mean anything great's gonna come afterwards. Yeah. So so with all that said, a lot of uh, good stuff on some of the uh, the Rangers' activity, inactivity uh, on trade deadline day. Um, thanks for Shana for joining us. And at this point, we're going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, uh, you'll have more from me and Adam. We're back from our commercial break. Uh, thanks again uh, for uh, Adam joining the show. And also, uh, while she was here, a hockey's hottest insider right now, uh, Shayna Goldman. Um, we're going to switch gears a bit and sort of get a little more in-depth on uh, you know the implications of the Brady-Shea trade. In the um, the media availability, you know Jeff Gordon was just sort of talking about um, the you know organizational depth of you know some of the prospects in the system, um, sort of right. allowing for the making of this trade. So, on the left side, who do you see 
you know, playing playing a role. Like obviously, the rest of the season, it's just going to be whoever's in Hartford, potentially Brendan Smith. But for next year's Rangers and two years from now, what what who do you see potentially making an impact that sort of um, covers the role that has now been you know vacated with, by Shady yeah. and traded? Yeah, I, I think um, talking about. Uh, replacing Shea within the organization. I think they definitely do have options, but I think those are long-term looks. Um, I don't know how well they're going to be able to fill that hole, let alone build on it immediately, maybe. Uh, There's my dog. Yeah, be quiet, buddy. Okay. Um, Yeah, so obviously the big name is Keandre Miller, uh, first-round pick a few years ago. Um, he's having uh, an up and down year in Wisconsin. He started the year kind of lukewarm. The second half of the season now, um, he's been he's been much better. Um, for Wisconsin, and I, I think I think the Rangers wanted to sign him last year, and he just he wanted to do a s- sophomore season at Wisconsin. I don't know that for sure, but that's what I think is true. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's fairly likely he's going to sign. Either, either um, you know, for the end of this season, maybe, or at least in the summer, to be part of the organiz- uh, you know, the pro organization uh, next year. Now, is he in Hartford? Is he, you know, in the NHL, but kind of in that like learning role the way Kako kind of is, or is he, a, you know, an impact player right away? I'm, a, I'm a, a bit skeptical. He's going to be a meaningful, you know, positive producer for the Rangers next year because he'll, he'll still be 20 years old. He has a lot to learn. Uh, on both sides of the puck and how to how to make the best of his his frame um so i'm you know he's definitely at least someone who could physically you know that could physically be on the roster next year and and fill the spot on the left side um another is you know libor hayek is i i think the rangers like him a lot more than i do i just uh, have not seen anything really both just you know watching and then the statistically to that suggests he's going to be an NHL defenseman. Um, if you if you look at the data for him this year, and you know when people hear data, I, I get it; it's only part of the you know the equation and such. But I'm not even talking about kind of like the data that just like um, comes up in like the NHL um, like game logs and such. I mean like data from people who physically sit in front of the, you know, a video screen, watch what happens and tally up by hand what's happening by those numbers. He looks absolutely horrible. Um, and then in Hartford, he's, he's really not playing that well either, to be honest. He, he looks better than he did last year, but that's not really saying much. Um, he has one primary point in 16 games in Hartford. Uh, you know, a primary assist and he has a secondary assist. Um, so I'm not convinced he's going to be a meaningful player ever, let alone next year. But the Rangers, you know, I think they kind of disagree. So he could feature. And then there's Yegor Rikov, the Russian defenseman. Um, he missed a lot of the year with an, with an injury, foot injury. He's had, you know, a, some issues with that even upon returning. Um, but he's looked pretty good. Um, at least at times in Hartford, um, he's he's been healthy, scratched a few times. Which uh, you know, look, Russian defenseman coming over, new style, new tactics, uh, new rink, not wholly um, 
stunning, but look, two goals, nine assists in 25 games, and I think he's had, there have been times where he's been on their power play, he's he's played some key shutdown minutes, so he's another guy that could feature. I'm just not convinced among that group they have a guy who is going to be a top four defenseman next season, at least, um, if even, you know, a good third pairing defenseman. Um Long term, there's also Zach Jones, who's at UMass. He played very well at the World Juniors. He's playing very well in his freshman college season. Again, I think he's kind of a guy who I I would be surprised if he signed. I think he's in college next year. Matthew Robinson was a second-round pick this past summer. Uh, He's... You know he's going to be a 19 year old, and he's going to be one of those guys where like if they don't start him in the, or if he's not in the NHL, they have to send him down to junior hockey in the Western Hockey League. So and I don't think he's really ready either. He's kind of had a lukewarm season, uh, you know, uh, draft plus one season in the Western Hockey League. Um, you know, those are the main options that you look at, like, in, in four years, you know, who, if this team wins the Stanley Cup, who could be the guys that are, um, you know, playing meaningful roles on it on the left side. Those are the names. I'm just not very convinced they have the internal options right now to um, really plug the holes for next season. So one name you didn't mention, and um, I'm sort of interested, not that it's it's something that he would fill Shea's role, but just more of a um, an organizational thing. What about um, Tarmo Ronanen? Sorry, can term- you say that, say that again quickly? Sure. So, uh, my dog. Yeah, no worries. One of the names that you didn't mention, um, just your thoughts, if he's someone that potentially could be in the mix, uh, Tarmo Ronanen. Yeah, so he's another guy. Um, he's having he's having not as good of a season as he did last year in the Finnish league. Though he's picked it up, um, he's picked it up recently. Again, he's a guy I see where like I think if he signs a contract, which I think he maybe will, he's gonna need probably at least a year in in Hartford would be my guess. Um, and I think even what kind of long term. You're looking at him as, you know, if he makes the NHL, it's kind of as a third-pair defenseman uh, rather than a needle mover. Yeah, so outside of that, do you think that how, based on the names that you mentioned and their various timelines, do you think that the Rangers may look to address this? Um, Is this something that... Obviously, it's too soon to tell where their first is going to end up, where the first they've acquired is going to end up, and if they make any other moves um, prior to the draft. But do you think that this is something that they're going to look for um, in in this upcoming draft, or is it really just too soon to tell? Nah, no. I look. Um, you know, in this draft, there's only really one defenseman that. There could be one defenseman drafted in in um, even the top twenty, which I know is a bit hard to believe, but that's just kind of how it is. There's there's a right-handed defenseman in Jamie Drysdale who could be a top five pick, you know, top ten maybe. But after him, it's 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 very weak on defensemen, at least in terms of like the the first twenty picks or so. Um, so look, I think you know they're gonna just add best player available. Um, you know, as I said, long term, like long, long term, I don't think 
left defense is a huge issue but i think the rangers there's why shouldn't they be competitive next year right like they're already doing pretty well right now um they're gonna have another off season you know where their younger players are gonna mature get older get better and you know they'll have chances to add some pieces so i look at it like why you know don't sell the farm but why wait to get you know good i think next summer is a chance to um to to do that so you know long-term organizational depth they definitely do have some options on the left side you know maybe they'll add a few more at the draft if that if it plays out that way um but i think you know the the hope should be you know to add a, a guy or two who can step in and at least do a decent job for next season so speaking of the future and to shift gears um we mentioned this briefly on when we were with shana before but um you know the word coming out that igor shacherkin and pavel Buchnevich were you know involved in in a car accident um where shacherkin is going to be reevaluated in uh two weeks and you know Buchnevich is day to day so that means that for at least for this foreseeable future we're going to have this goaltending tandem of of gorgiev and lundquist um during after practice you know lundquist spoke also um John Davidson had spoke and basically the situation being that the Rangers are going to sit down with Hank at the end of the season and basically a lot of the things you wanted to hear there's been a consistent dialogue you know throughout um, you know it's fair to both sides to sort of have an understanding of, of where people stand um, you know based on the general information of what's come out do you think that um it's it's more looking like that Lundqvist isn't going to come back. Do you still feel that they're going to try and move Gorgiev in the offseason and maybe how that Lundqvist is actually going to be playing in some games, they may view things differently? Yeah, well, I think the first question we have to ask is why why would they want to keep Gorgiev, um, you know, with Shesterkin? Um and the answer is number one, you never know what's going to happen. You know, maybe Shesterkin gets hurt. Maybe he decides, you know, he's not comfortable and he wants to move back to Russia or something. You know, maybe his play just is drops, he has attitude issues. You, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Just think shit happens, right? So if you have a, con, a contingency in like Georgiev, you know, you don't want to give, give it away, you know, before you really need to. Um, so. They don't. They know they're not going to have him long term. So they're, you know, they're also in the meantime hoping to build up his value. Um, now look, if they get that value this summer in a trade, I think that makes it easy to move him because at that point, why wait? Um, you know. But if their end goal is to get certain value and it's going to take another forty starts next year, or you know, or whatever it is, um, I think they're going to lean towards. Uh, moving on from Lundqvist I think they liked his you know obviously they respect him a lot he's still a good goalie that's not really the point here it's not about his abilities it's about you know where the team is going and um, I, I think if they could help it they'd love to have at least some of his cap hit back um, for for next season he makes his cap hit is I think eight and a half million um, you know if, if they can get back even three or four million of that you know by trading him or buying him out whatever it is uh, that go a long a long ways towards you know adding you know a piece to that left side of the defense may, maybe or you know maybe that allows them to 
uh, you know, tack on a sixth year for Tony D'Angelo when before, you know, without it, they'd only be able to do a bridge deal. You know, whatever it is. Point being, you know, I think they'd like the flexibility. I think they realize that all things being equal, a 24-year-old goaltender who's under team control for a few years ahead offers them more um, than, you know, a a 39-year-old goalie would would do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough times ahead in terms of just kind of the optics of everything. And I, I, you know, I, for whatever reason, people think like, oh, like David Quinn says something in the media and like, Ooh, this is a shot at Lundqvist. And it's, even if the two were at odds, that's not how this would play out. And I don't think they're at odds anyway. I think they just both kind of realize this is a shitty situation and it is what it is. Um, but I, just looking at how it's playing out and how, you know, Lundqvist even today kind of, you know, like you said, he admitted, like, look, we need to we need to speak about this in the summer and figure out what the deal is. And he sounded like a guy who, you know, wasn't saying, like, look, I'm staying here. Like, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't know what the speculation is, but, like, I'm planning on finishing my career here no matter what. You know, he sounded as open to moving on as anybody, not necessarily because he wanted to, but because he realized, realized you know, what the situation is. Yeah, what I think is, and I'll be interested to see, is if they get to a point where they say, you know what, Hank, we're going to give you the opportunity to go somewhere else this offseason. If that happens and there is no interest and it it becomes apparent that um, teams just aren't interested for whatever reason, I, I wonder where that leaves them because I would think that he'll have some discussions and although they you know obviously can't officially talk about it like hank we like you but we don't like you at your current number if something were to change wink wink buyout then maybe we would um talk to you if it was a situation where you know everyone is like yeah we're set with our situation or yeah, we're set, and then they're simultaneously having conversations like, yeah, is that, you know, Gorgiev kid still available? It would be interesting to see um, how everything shakes out. But you brought up something that I is, I actually wanted to, to bring up with Shayna, but we can talk about it now. Um, Tony D'Angelo. So mm. I'm very interested to see how they proceed with him because yeah. it's like everyone's saying, yeah, they have all of this money now or, you know, they can and it's two sides one saying yeah you can just pay him and then there's the other side is well you can sort of kick the can down the road and give him a bridge deal but i don't really think they have like a bridge area to sort of land because he can just say you know what um i'm gonna go to arbitration because i know i can get you know at least you know a million and a half, two million more than you're offering me. Because the thing about arbitration, and like obviously now the NHL has all of the fancy stats on their websites under different names, but by and large, it's like, okay, goals, assists, points, ice time. Like those are the numbers that get brought up, which for someone like him, he's going to finish top 10 in defense scoring he may even finish top five so how do they even proceed because if you keep him with fox with truba you're gonna have three defensemen that i don't know how you get the most bang for your buck in terms of actually having them on the ice 
Yeah, and the other thing is, I you know, arbitration is very ugly. Just it's an ugly experience um, for anyone, and I it would get even it would just be real bad with D'Angelo. And I I know some people don't want to hear it, and they think this is just me, uh, you know wishing things into existence or like my own agenda like i'm telling you and this is relevant like what i think or anything else i promise you if it got to arbitration the rangers would do everything they can because that's their job they do everything they can to get that that number as low as possible and what will that mean that's going to be mean invoking all of the off-ice stuff I'm not talking about politics. What I'm talking about is the suspensions he's had in juniors and minor hockey and the two trades, you know, and the attitude problems and all that. And, you know, regardless of what you think of D'Angelo, like that's not going to feel good for him. He's not going to feel like the Rangers have his backs and, and that they trust him and all that afterwards. And that, you know, they can say it's just the process, but the, he's going to be there physically, you know, hearing the Rangers say these things. Um, and I, how do you recover from that? And I don't just mean how does he person. I just mean how does the relationship go on long term after something like that? Because um, it, it's hard for players when it's just like a normal kind of deal. When it's just you know a, a normal player and a normal team just um, you know going at it. So in those, I just I don't see, especially with how proud he is, which isn't necessarily a bad trade. I'm just you know with how proud he is and just the things that would get said. I don't think you can let that get to arbitration for those purposes. And as you said, for the purposes of like his numbers are really good and you don't, you don't know where that arbitrator is going to put that final number. Um, so I, I, they can't let that get to arbitration or anywhere near it. I think he's, he's got to be traded or it's got to be, a, a, uh, you know, an extension of some sort, maybe a bridge deal, maybe a long term. Um, I don't really know what you do about that. Um, and this is kind of where we we have to trust the Rangers because, again, bringing those past issues up, they know better than we do at this point what it's like day-to-day in the locker room, you know, for interacting with teammates and also, like, what it's like for Quinn and, and Ruff to um, get him to buy into a certain, you know, uh, tactical strategy and, and him working with the skills coach and such. Um, you know, is that an issue where they think once he has a, you know, a, a top four spot locked up in a long-term contract where, you know, suddenly his attitude changes. Do they think he needs that, like, to be pushing towards something constantly? Um, you know, whether it was making making the NHL and then, you know, solidifying a spot and now, you know, earning the money. Um, does he need that kind of just external thing, you know, the carrot in front of, you know, wa- waving in front of his face? I don't, I don't know. Those are questions the Rangers will be able to answer. Um, that we really can't. It would not be right for us to, you know, say yes or no to because we're not in the room. Um, it's a complicated one just for those reasons because you're not only weighing um, the on, you know, the roster stuff and the on ice stuff, your, um, the right side of the defense, your needs elsewhere, the money, but you're, you're weighing, uh, you know, with with this guy's history, is this you know a guy that we trust? For you know to lock up for six years and then we have him for six years to deal with um it, it's a tough one for sure um uh, i don't think the rangers know for sure what they want to do yet by any means um i think just because people a lot of people have said like oh the shade trade opens up the money for d'angelo which no doubt that's absolutely true that could be the um i don't want to say solution but that could be the the fallout here like that they open up that money d'angelo gets it fair fair enough fair play 
But I also don't think it's just a guarantee they keep him uh, either because they have other needs. They have, you know, just because they open up some cap space doesn't mean they won't need more. So it's, it's a tricky one. Yeah, I feel the same way because this is even something that was talked about on uh, 31 Thoughts podcast. It was either the one right before the deadline or the one before that where it was not a no-brainer because the thought being was, yeah, D'Angelo is having a really good season, but could the Rangers be saying to themselves, we want to see you do it again? Mm -hmm. And then at that point, if he were to do it again, they could decide – we're going to now give you a long-term contract or yeah we saw you do it again but adam fox is playing yeah like adam fox has played in his rookie year and jacob truva looks better than he did during his first season with the rangers and they turn around and trade him so i don't think that it's a slam dunk oh they freed up this money it's going Mm. right to tony d'angelo um and then one other player i feel we should just you know talk you know, briefly on, and then um, we can just sort of see what bannering points we do have. They kept Jesper Faust, and I was a bit surprised just because of the market there was for, um, for lack of a better term, like role players, and he's mm. someone that he could do quite well for himself in July 1st. Um, do you think that this was a move where there wasn't a market, they think they're going to keep them, or just your general yeah, thoughts on I don't, Fast? I don't know. It's, I, that one baffles me. and it's not, I'm, I'm not even against a Fast extension in a vacuum, but like you're now paying Panarin Kreider like a ton of money for the wings, right? At some point, it's going to be, you know, if Kako and Kravtsov become the players you hope, they're also going to be ba- getting paid a lot in a couple years. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Buchnevich, but he also is theoretically someone who's going to need a pay raise. And then you added Julian Gauthier. Like, on the right side, you have you have so many right wingers now. And, you know, Jesper Foss is a nice player, but he's... We're talking about, you know, not everyone can be signed under the cap. They need space and such. Like, he's kind of a player that you're like, mm, I'm not sure that's someone I want to be giving, like, you know, four years, three and a half million or whatever it takes to, um, you know, a reasonable argument for why they didn't move him is that, you know, the trade value wasn't there, which, I, like, I guess it wasn't, which is why he wasn't traded. But I, I, don't, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, even if, like, the, you know, he's worth a second round pick and maybe even another but even if there's you know only a third round pick on the table like the difference in in terms of actual um like where nhl players get drafted like after the first you know 35 or so picks like it's it's very little difference so i I just think kind of acquiring the draft pick was more important than being like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's not a second. Instead, it's a third or whatever else. But, you know, like, look, I don't know what the market was. Maybe no one wanted to move any pick or, you know, for whatever reason for him. Or maybe the Rangers, you know, who knows what Jesper Fosk's, you know, ask is. Um, And maybe they decided we have a higher chance of re-signing him. You know, like we, you know, maybe they feel, oh, we have a 25, 30% chance of resigning him, and that's worth more than, you know, the 15, 18% chance of drafting an NHL player with a mid round pick. Maybe that was a thinking. I, I don't know. But, um, 
it certainly doesn't make sense to keep him for you know a playoff run or anything like that like has their own rental so it's it's definitely a bizarre one but it's an yeah, i'm not kind of forgetting about it and excusing it but i also understand like look i don't i wasn't in the war room i don't know what the trade market looked like i don't know what offers were out there for him i don't know what kind of money he's um expected to ask for so I'll give I give some benefit of the doubt to the Rangers there in terms of my own ignorance in terms of what the situation is. So definitely a weird situation that shouldn't be left unquestioned. But I leave enough room to you know kind of um, I leave up enough up for inter- interpretation. Yeah, I mean my only thought on it, and it's probably was financially motivated. Um, Tampa Bay trading for yeah. Barkley Goudreau. He's making nine hundred thousand for this year and next year, mm-hmm. um, and they had already traded for Blake Coleman, who is you know making under two million for this year and next year. They paid a first for that. I mean, I think based on what Foss brings as a player, he would have been a good fit there, but it might have been uh, sort of a capped out um, situation. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll be interested to see um, how how the rest of the year goes with Faust. Um but yeah, I, I certainly didn't expect. I'm kind of surprised Philadelphia didn't make a move for him. One, just because like we know how much Elaine Vigneault loves Jesper Foss. Yeah. Um, and some of that's earned, not all of it, the way he loves him. Yeah, apparently Ringo agrees. Um, that's one thing. Um, and then like they they moved to, like what was it like a fourth round pick for Nathan Thompson? Yeah. You know. Yeah, so um, that kind of surprised me a bit um, that they weren't in the mix for him. So, yeah, so we only have a few battering points, and uh, interestingly enough, there are things that we already talked about. So this one, um, we we touched on it briefly. So from Andrew, um, to what extent did Lindy Ruff limit Shea? Yeah. uh, How much better do you think he'll be in Carolina? I think this is kind of like a perfect test for the Rangers. Just kind of, I don't know if they're going to take it that way, but at least for us, right? Like we're going to be able to look at this and be like, all right, he's going from the Ranger system to the best landing spot there is basically for a, you know, a mobile defenseman like Brady Shea, right? So I think we're going to learn, learn a lot about Brady Shea and we're going to learn a lot about Lindy Ruff in, this, in the system and, and kind of how far the gap is there and, and how much he brought down Brady Shea and how much the system might be bringing down other players. Um, I think it's just a, a great learning uh, chance for learning for us. Um, so... Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting because we've seen this year uh, Ryan Graves looking pretty good in Colorado. Whether that's something that is going to uh, remain for the long term, that that remains to be seen. And then we've also seen Kevin Shattenkirk, who obviously in his own right is, you know, an established high-end player who with Tampa Bay is looking a lot better, partly because he's healthy, partly because he's, you know, surrounded with good, good talent. But I think that this is certainly a good sort of litmus test for um, how much is the Lindy Ruff effect uh, a Mm -hmm. real thing. Um, And then we have one more question uh, from world by Mike. Why is Strom still a Ranger when, based on the deals we've seen, it is clear he could have fetched a high pick? Um, 
and Heedle taking over as the number two center. Uh, he's not going to accept 3C money at this point. What is the plan going forward? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, look, I've had, as, as critical as I've been of Strom, he's, he's been a contributing member this year, even if far from an imperfect one. And, you know, like, I, I, if the value's there for him now, I think it's also going to be there for him in the summer. Um, you know, and kind of the trade-off is that, you know, maybe the market was a bit more in the seller's favor this time around. But um, in, the, in the summer, if the Rangers do want to trade him, you know, there are, it's going to be, there would be more teams in the mix. There are more teams that would want, you know, what someone who is at least ostensibly a middle six center. Um, and, you know, Detroit's not going to trade for someone like that right at the deadline, but maybe they would, you know, in, in July, right? Um, so I think that may be part of it was that, like, look, like, why why break up the team further? They're playing so well. Like, why do that now unless, like, we're given a good reason? And so, you know, I would guess uh, if someone had blown them away with an offer, I think they would have 100% done it and, you know. Uh, I just don't think there was anything particularly out there that made them say, like, yes, we need to do this absolutely right now. Um, you know, now, by all means, like, maybe they'll sign him to a long-term extension in the summer. Maybe that's their plan, too, which is a whole different animal. I don't know. I just, I don't think, you know, there's enough out there for us to have to say, like, why didn't they move him? Like, they should have done it, damn it. Like, we just, we don't know what offers were out there, who was biting, and that kind of thing. And if there are suitors, I think there will be plenty, you know, there will be some of them at least in the summer as well. Yeah, and again, Strom is also in a similar situation to D'Angelo. He's a restricted free agent who's arbitration eligible. The one major difference being that Strom is one year away from unrestricted free agency. So there's nothing preventing them from giving him a one-year deal, playing out the string sort of like um, they did with Kevin Hayes. Uh, I know that... Uh, Kevin is working on a story that should be going up within the next week or so, just pretty much looking at Philip Heedle and how the Rangers can use um, these next 20 or so games of him in a top six role to to learn some more things. Um, I personally think that that's another way that they can save money by having Heedle as your number two center. You try and make as much of a hockey trade as you can with Strom um, because you'll definitely want to have some veteran uh, in in that lineup that if Heedle is to falter, he can swap up and then also having some uh, protection in the Uh event that, you know, Zibanejad gets hurt. Um, But yeah, so um, with that, um, thank you to Adam and uh, Shana for joining the show this week. I know we covered a lot of ground. Um, You know, it's a lot of things going on. We're going to have a lot of coverage uh, on what happened, what didn't happen and what we can expect going forward, uh, you know, in the coming week on blue shirt banner. Um, But as always, thank you to our, our patrons who without you, uh, you know, a lot of this can't be possible. Uh, Adam Naholik, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony McHale, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner, Austinheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris, Marco Trigiano, 
uh, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Gisen, Danny Santiago, Daryl Powell, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, not going to happen, uh, Igor Zevlovsky, James Dangles, Jamie Bussold, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, Jean Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jaren Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanek, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sean, Stieg Bielbach, Stink Flamen, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninjas Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thanks again for uh, your Patreon support. It really means a lot to uh, to everyone. Um, as always, you know, five stars on iTunes. Feel free to send in questions using bannering points. Um, you know, direct message me on Twitter. Email me through uh, the Boucher Banner site. You know, however, you know, you have thoughts, send them to me. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, as I said again, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Shana, for joining the show this week. And uh, we will uh, see you next week.